Yeah, where do I do I hang out with Vikings? <laughs> what's up? My name my what's name is Aries. Yeah. Uh, what's up with me? What's up? <laughs> what's up with me? Why is my neck so thick? Why is my head so nevish? I don't understand what's wrong with me. <laughs> Why am I not in the God of War games? There's yeah, a game I'm... called God of War. No Ares, what? Wait, he killed Ares? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> what's this guy look like? Bald. Okay. Alright. Tra- Gotta go. Yeah, it's got traps though. You say it's, it's got blades with chains. Oh, <laughs> sounds pretty intense. What's else he do? Oh, oh, he ripped Zeus's head off. Oh, <laughs> you mean big Zeus or little Zeus? We all know little tiny, <laughs> tiny little Zeus. Oh no, little Zeus. Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies A couple of nerds, but got style We so cool, pop culture Talking new and old school, yeah You should know we love hip-hop From the roots, Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch, we giving you what you want It don't get no liver, ain't no doubt we gotcha This is Pop Saga, let's go Oh yeah, you heard right This is a lifestyle, welcome to the nerd life Pop Saga Welcome to Pop Saga at the movies at home. Today's movie is 2018's Sorry to Bother You, a surreal, absurdist portrait of what it's like trying to make it in Oakland, California, written and directed by first-timer Boots Riley. This comedy-slash-fantasy-slash-fever dream stars Tessa Thompson, Lakeith Stanfield, Jermaine Fowler, Amari Hardwick, Terry Crews, Patton Oswalt, David Cross, Stephen Yoon, Danny Glover, and alleged cannibal Army Hammer. I am one half of your hosting duo, F. Horsefest, and I am <laughs> joined as always by power host John. Hey, John, what's up? <laughs> Uh, I'm doing fine. How are you? <laughs> wow, John, you're so much more relatable. <laughs> God, that felt terrible to say. I know, but I know where it's coming from. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, we're talking about sorry to uh, bother you. John, did you, have you seen... <laughs> no problem. Oh, that's right, the movie, sorry. Yes, and we're not talking to our audience. <laughs> I mean, we are we're sorry a... to bother you, but, yes. you know, find us but on you're socials, still here. email us, do all that shit, you know? Yeah, we wish you would bother us more, but not bother us as much as shower us with compliments and validation. Yeah, replace bother with uh, praise. <laughs> yep. Did you like my name for myself this time? F F, F- Horsefest? Yeah, it was good. It works. <laughs> it works for this movie. It's very um, uh breathy. <laughs> easy to spell. So, you know, I'm for it. I'm for it. Yeah, that's good. That is uh that is fantastic. So, have had you heard of this movie before I uh brought it up? Of course, I saw it in theaters. You did? 
That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I saw it at the uh, Grand Theater in, um, at Lake Merritt. Mm-hmm. Over in Oakland. That is fantastic. Is that, yeah. um, did they have the premiere over in Oakland? No, no, it was just, I mean, they might have, but they were just, uh, we went opening, either opening night or the day after type of thing. I went with a old high school buddy, um, and, you know, he's like, hey, you want to see Sorry to Bother You? And I was like, it's fine, you can call me whenever you want. He's like, no, do you want to go see Sorry <laughs> to Bother You? And I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, we can go, sure. And, um... I saw, you know, I saw, like, uh, trailers for it over at the Alamo. So I was like, yeah, this looks great. This looks weird as shit. I'm in. And, uh, yeah, so we saw it there, and it was it, it, it was a film. Yeah. I, I certainly, so I had heard about it. I had heard that it was, like, had elements of... Uh, magical realism and fantasy and i am usually like really on board with those kind of movies uh like terry gilliam stuff brazil um uh whoever directed (laughs) donnie darko i would i feel like it's richard something (laughs) i would remember this guy's name except that i saw i his other movie or the movie that i think follows donnie darko or maybe his two movies after and I think it's called Southland Tales. And uh, this is just my opinion. If any Southland Tales fan out, fans out there, I'm sorry. But that movie fucking sucks. <laughs> it's very bad. Uh, I have not seen it. So I will not offer uh, judgment. Other than it should have been called uh, Still Donnie Darko. <laughs> Are you still thinking about Donnie Darko? Where did that Why? plane engine come from? We'll never tell. I mean, who cares? I mean, yep. it's cool. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. Um, that's my white your, voice. <laughs> no, nah, you can just do your voice. You're fine. <laughs> you don't need the, you don't need the, you know, like um, inflect anything. It doesn't. No, I know. I have a. I mean, I think it would be generous to say I have a David Cross slash uh, um, Patton Oswaldish quality to my voice. I think that's probably fair to say. You know your voice. Well, mm, mm, maybe it's not nasally enough. Yeah, so you have a little bit of like bass, or at least tenor in your voice. Yep. Where you know, there's just like I think that's right. That's accurate. (laughs) You know, where they're just like, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, and all that stuff. And, um, <laughs> you know, you don't, you, you don't, you can't inflect that. But we still yeah. know, we, we know what side of the fence you're on. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, there's no secret there. I'm not, and, uh, um, I'm not hiding anything, uh, or, or would even be able to. Yeah. And Richard Kelly, Richard, Richard Kelly. Mm-hmm. Directed Donnie Darko. I didn't look that up. There you go. I knew it was Richard something. Yeah, close enough. And that is why people (laughs) come to us and will shower us with praise. Yep, and validation. Don't forget the validation. And validation due to our us being paragons of pop culture knowledge. Yep. By not remembering 
arguably a movie that has cemented itself in pop culture, though I can't see why. Um, I think... Director. Yeah. I don't know. I... Uh, when I used to like Donnie Darko, I was in a very different place in my life. I have not watched it since, but I do believe if I did, I might be like, this is a bad movie. <laughs> but, um, at the time it would, it very, um, it spoke to the, uh, the brooding weirdo within, um, uh, in, in us all. In, in you. In me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in me. It just I, th- I thought it was weirdly like uh, a boy in the bubble sequel, and then I was. <laughs> you mean Bubble Boy? Bubble Boy, that's it. Yes, the uh, the the really the breakout hit for Jake uh, Gyllenhaal. Yeah, no, see, that's what happened. I mean, it is. One. I don't know if you remember, but at the start, he gets out of the bubble, and then he starts seeing that bunny, Donnie Darko. Oh, I you know, I never catch that part of the movie when it's on, but I always end up hearing the pop sound <laughs> and i never knew where that's coming from it must be coming from the bubble you're always <laughs> looking down when that happens and it's like oh the start of the movie time for me not to look at it <laughs> who directed this richard something mm-hmm. yes of course a classic film for richard linklater <laughs> yeah southland tells no thank you <laughs> yeah anyway. that was a that was a weird movie had a had a cameo by Kevin Smith, who looked like a cross between Larry David and, and Thor from Endgame. Wow. Say no more. Yeah. Say no more. Well, okay, you can say stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I really was taking that to heart. You were. Um, I've been really one-sided. Uh, yeah, so this movie was great. What did you think? <laughs> I, I mean, I thought it was fantastic, not to spoil the uh, the end of the podcast, but um, so I would say if you are listening to this podcast and that you want or you have any inkling to see Sorry to Bother You, and like I said, I, I don't mean to, uh, you know, put the cart before the, before the horse or anything, but <laughs> okay, I did not mean to say that particular thing, but that will... Uh, be a weird pun if you listen to this whole thing or if you've seen the movie. Um, but I strongly encourage you to go out and see it. It is really good. It's really good. It's very funny. It is uh, a, a quick watch. It's even though it's like two hours long. And um, I would say don't even read up on it. Just be surprised by this movie. I went into it not knowing hardly anything about it, and uh, that is the way to see it. So, so was this your I would first say, time seeing it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I had always heard of it, and I, and I wanted to see it, um, but uh, I hadn't carved out the time, and uh, I'm glad I did. Yeah. It's. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it, so I will just say it's a movie. Mm-hmm. It's a film that you should check out, and so stop this podcast right now, go out and watch it, and come back. For those who have seen it, but maybe that you saw it back in 2018 when it was released, I will give you a short synopsis at the very highest level. And, uh, you know, actually, I think if you haven't seen it, you can listen to this as well, so maybe stick around until the end of this description, but... 
Sorry to Bother You is about, it takes place in an alternate present day of Oakland. Telemarketer Cassius Green, or Cassius Green, his friends refer to him as Cash, uh, discovers a magical key to professional success, propelling him into a universe of greed. So says IMDb. It sounds like a IMDb synopsis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very simple... Um, that makes it sound like uh, like limitless or something. Like he finds a pill and it's like, I can access all of my brain. It's like, I'm successful because I take this uh, crazy drug that no one's explained. <laughs> yep. Or this is like a Gordon Gecko type Wall Street movie where he's like, I found out that if you buy low and sell high, you make money. <laughs> and then propelling yeah. into a universe of greed. Yeah, that doesn't. It's it's tough because I would say that on a high level, that is a part of it. Yes. But, like for the folks at home, but before we get started, obviously there will be spoilers. Mm-hmm. of some sort so if you really do want to watch it yeah like forrest said urge you watch it come back to us we'll always be here yeah we'll we're not going anywhere be. yeah i have no plans i mean <laughs> we'll wait for you go ahead yep okay. okay it'll be about two hours so all right so we're just starting finishing. now just kidding. We just sit there and wait. Well, we should have. That would have been we like... We should have for two hours. Just Tune in. <laughs> because it will be long. No, it would have been the most experimental podcast ever. They just stopped and just started humming the girl from Impanema for two hours. <laughs> Then they did another hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't even mention it? What is this psychopath's podcast? Well, you know, we're here for some serious shit. Anyway, yep. yeah, spoilers ahead. The other thing that I do want to caution, though we do try to make with the funny here, and try is the emphasis... <laughs> there are potential themes that might come up in this movie that will be somewhat serious in tone in a weird way. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we're just going to go with the, the, the punches with this and uh, see what happens. But, you know, we'll try with the yucks. But when it's not so yuck-yuck, then we're going to talk real yes. talk. There are if- plenty of moments that are yuck and not yuck-yuck in this movie. Yeah, and just, you know, the the whole commentary uh, the director was making with this. There, there's a lot of layers, like an awesome blossom, but, yeah. you know, like everyone knows, an awesome blossom isn't that awesome, but it <laughs> seems awesome. Then you eat one, <laughs> you're concept. like, the concept seems amazing, but then it's like you bite into an oil-logged onion piece and you're just going, I don't want this. <laughs> I, I don't want this. This is gonna stick with me for a while. I don't yeah. want it. Yeah, I've been burping up awesome blossom for three <laughs> days. I don't know why. <laughs> I haven't eaten anything. It's still please, here. Please grant me my awesome death. <laughs> <laughs>
death by a thousand little weird chops and then some <laughs> sort of uh, thousand island sauce crammed in the middle. Man, Australia should have gone to war with us for the Outback Steakhouse claiming that the Awesome Blossom was a uh, Australian delicacy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm surprised they just didn't all get on their boomerangs, throw themselves over here, <laughs> hit us upside the head, <laughs> fly their ass back. Pop Saga, Australia's number one pop culture podcast. I don't know, maybe it's fair game. We lost our Australian listeners as far as I can tell. I mean, you know, I think we have. And you know what? If we haven't, it's all fun. I mean, look, I wish I had something like, you know, I wish we invented something over here that you could throw and come back that isn't just sheer ineptitude. But, um, you know, they got boomerangs. I'll take it. Yeah, they got boomerang, boomerangs and COVID under control. So <laughs> Got us beat. <laughs> yep. So, uh, that's right, Australia. You win. Um, but yeah, so that, yeah, very well said, uh, John. So, um, we can jump right into it. But I guess before we do, I think it's worth mentioning that while I uh, did make it clear to point out this is the debut writing and directing for, uh, Boots Riley, he is not like a newcomer um, by any means. He's he's been an activist and musician in Oakland for a really long time. The guy's forty nine and he's making his first movie. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, but yeah, no, Boots is Boots is dope. Outside of his activism, the coop, fucking baller, mm-hmm. street sweeper, social club. I remember watching the losers going, who did this song? Because it, it sounds like a Rage Against the Machine song, but it's not Rage. And then mm-hmm. discovered that it was like, no, no, it's Boots Riley with Tom Morello. So I was just like, this is awesome. This dude is amazing. He's an awesome like like MC. His lyrics are stellar. Um, I'm surprised it's taken him so long to make something. But... I'm glad he got to make this because it's 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 wild, but in the best ways possible. And um, yeah, so he, he though he's first directorial debut, hopefully not his last. Seriously, I was uh, I was seriously impressed by this movie. Um, I think I've walked, watched a lot of debuts from uh, a lot of different directors, but you know, it's probably because he's spent so much time like creating music, but it just worked in a way that um, I don't know. I was expecting it to be a little more rough around the edges, I guess, because sometimes some people's first per- uh, picture can be picture there are <laughs> someone's moving picture <laughs> someone's first film can you know sometimes have a little a few rough edges uh and i don't know this it just felt like he'd been doing it for years yeah like without missing a beat like again you know we i don't know if we ever talked about it on the uh pod 
or um, we've talked about it, but then like I've cut it out because it's been just stuff like, uh, you know, Rob Zombie and his House of a Thousand Corpses. But then I was just like, his other film was way better. Because when I watched House of a Thousand Corpses, I was like, yeah, that looks like somebody's first movie. Probably still <laughs> yeah, exactly. better than what I would do, but, you know, that looks like a first movie. You see this one here, and you're like, he hasn't been making movies or TV shows or doing stuff for a long time. Because it's, it's, like, I mean, we should just get into it. I think we should yeah. just kind of get into it. Talk about the stuff. Let's talk about the things and the stuffs. Let us talk about this movie. So, yeah, go ahead. It is... I'm just going to flat out say it's shot so wonderfully. Yeah. Doesn't it really capture the feeling of Oakland in a sort of visceral, familiar way? I spent a lot of time living in Emeryville when I was going to school and just, uh, you know, working uh, in the Bay Area. And um, it really captures the feeling of that part of the Bay Area in a way that is, uh, is rare, I think. I always, it's funny, you know, as a San Francisco native, I feel it's my duty to make fun of Oakland. But <laughs> of course, I, yeah. But I mean, I I always do it out of a place of love, if that makes sense. You know, just like everyone makes fun of San Francisco, uh, I just feel it's my duty to make there. But I'm always happy to see things shot over there, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like giving it giving it the props it deserves and it's awesome to watch this like there's a part where he's at a gas station i'm like oh i know that valero that's right (laughs) by the bar station (laughs) totally you know and it that's you know a lot of times in san francisco i get so mad when someone shoots here because they'll be like going down hyde street and then next they're over on like ocean avenue and then next you know, they're like, wow. I was like, that would mean San Francisco was about four blocks long if we were to cut that up. But with this, you know, really great establishing shots. Like, you know, he, uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character, Cash, we'll just call, I'm just going to refer to him as Cash, is like applying for a job. You know, like you can, you can feel that. But as he's just kind of cruising through and stuff like that, it's just. It's great. It's great. Yeah, and it definitely did a good job of sort of capturing the state that Oakland finds itself in these days, which is sort of caught between what Oakland was and what the the continuing tech boom is sort of tr- trying to transform it into. No better is that caps or places that encapsulated encapsulated it is than the building the Regal View offices where uh, Cash works. And, you know, you have that down in the basement, no windows, like, tiny cramped cubicle. And then when he eventually goes up to the power collar area, it has that very Silicon Valley tech vibe to it in a way that made me very uneasy. (laughs) It was like... I was like, oh my god, I've been here. I mean, I've been both places, so... It's, yeah, exactly. It's exactly. great to be like... It's like, yeah, uh, for the folks at home, he's a telemarketer at mm-hmm. Review. And yeah, the, their whole thing is you gotta stick to the script. And um, 
you know, and later on when he moves up to be a power caller, yeah, that that division is clear. Like, I, I mean, I remember working at the movie theater, and our break room literally was, like, one floor below where normal people got to walk, you know? It's just, mm-hmm. like, sitting there with my tray of, like, Chinese food trying to eat on this thing while people are changing and other people are hooking up like a, a Nintendo 64 to the TV so we can feel like some <laughs> normalcy. And then later on in life, it's like, oh, I'm walking this building. It's like, what do you mean we're out of LaCroix? <laughs> Someone needs to get more LaCroix. Someone and needs to, to talk to uh, ops, the ops department. Everyone knows that I can't concentrate without my lime LaCroix. No. Uh, excuse me, is that sugar-free yerba mate or regular yerba mate i remember asking for sugar-free and the can offends me <laughs> you I'm know i'm go- on keto yeah i'm just gonna go over here to the cereal dispensers <laughs> where's my grape nuts yeah <laughs> you know it was very the dichotomy between both was telling but you know that was kind of like you know, you could see, like, Cash, you know, and obviously, like, I mean, his name is very much, he's named for his motivations. Yeah, his name is Cash Green. Yeah. And, and he, yeah, he's motivated by money the entire time. And this, the show, or the movie starts off as sort of showing how slippery of a slope that chasing money can become. Because... Obviously, at the start, his life is in a state where you are rooting for him to to make more money like he wants. You know, he uh, that opening sequence where he is waking up with his uh, his girlfriend Detroit in his small apartment. You think, and then when they start to uh, disrobe, the uh, garage door pops up. <laughs> 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 that part was so funny. Yeah, and it turns out he's living in his apartment in his uncle's house. And he hasn't even paid his rent for like four months. Because he hasn't even been able... He finally just got a job. And the only reason why he got this job was because they were like, Look, we'll take anybody. We we don't care. Just make sure you stick to the script and that's it. Yeah, I mean, he comes in with a trophy... And a plaque, an employee of the month plaque, and it it turns out that um, the person he's interviewing with can easily prove, disprove both things, having worked at the the bank that he he said he was employee of the month at. Yeah, it's you know it's it's funny, but at the same time, I totally get where he where he's coming from, trying to have to prove his worth, right? But see, look, I'm good. Look at all these accomplishments I made. Yeah. And, you know, but then he's just like, the dude's like, yeah, I was the manager of that bank. You didn't work there during this time. But you know what this shows me? Two things. You have initiative and you can read. <laughs> that's all that's required. That's all that was required. But like to get a job at Regal View. Yeah. Great name, by the way. Great name. And speaking of the telemarketing, I really love in this film how they handled showing what it was like for him to call people because they literally, he dropped them in 
to the scene that the person answering the phone is in. Um, And this leads to several, like, super hilarious uh, interactions. One, he shows up and a woman is having sex. Like, they're doing it right in front of him and he's all, you know, because he's in the space, but they can't see him. Um, And then this happens later in the movie, but where he where he shows up right next to that guy on the toilet and he mm-hmm. reaches over and spray, use the bidet to spray his butt. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, <laughs> that part cracked me up so bad. <laughs> but yeah, I just but- thought that was an awesome vis- visual a way uh, to make those sequences like really engaging and, and funny and interesting. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, though. Like, if this guy, this was his first film... But to have that visual, like, in his head, to be like, yeah, let's let's have him invade that space. And let's, you know, show these moments that, you know, he, he is trying to get into their lives. And, the, you know, the difference that he has to do to become successful to do so. And then, yeah. It, it It's... Visually, it's a great way to do this. And I'm surprised we... I don't... I can't really think of a film that's done it beforehand. Not like... Not like this. Like, no. Like, maybe, like, a split half and half for someone on the phone and the other half there, but, like, this was, like, he's in those that space. When that woman, he picks, you know, when that woman calls, or he calls that woman and she's all, like, distraught because her husband's no longer with her and stuff like that, and he's just like, I got to stick with the script. So, like, our, our book's on this, and you can just see, like, her distraught, and he is... Like, man, I don't want to do this. She obviously, you know, like, it's a beautiful way to, like, show his initial, like, connection with these people and trying to, you know, get Ed. Yeah. And uh, his his girlfriend is played by Tessa Thompson. She plays Detroit, who, um, I thought that was another really cool thing. She, throughout the entire film, wears uh, earrings that either uh, are commentaries on what is happening in the scene right at that moment, or they are foreshadowing uh, events that will happen soon. And I looked up a little bit of information about the movie, and it turns out like that's not just something that is sort of coincidental. That was planned. There, The earrings are written into the script. So that was like deliberate symbolism... Uh, that was put in there each one of those times, and I thought that was really clever. Yeah, I love when movies do that. That's that's why, and everyone can at me, at the pop sog if you want what for what I'm about to say. It's why like Ghost Dog is one of my favorite movies of all time because of how they use like the cartoons and how it foreshadows mm-hmm. what's going to happen next. I like those layers. So if it rewards the watcher for paying attention. Like, if you just go, you'll miss out on the subtleties here. But, like, yeah, reader earrings, they're important. Yeah. And and it it makes the movie even more interesting, because each time you see them, you're wondering, is this a commentary on the current scene? Is it foreshadowing what's coming up? It just is a, a really cool little detail. And one of the things that is sort of in the background throughout uh, Cash's quest to you know, climb the ladders at the, at the, um, the telemarketing company is this corporation called worry free. 
And, you know, when he's at his lowest point, he seriously considers signing up with this place. And what they offer when we are exposed to this with by ads and commercials is you can sign a five-year contract um, or a lifetime contract and uh, you never have to worry about housing or food. All you have to do is work, which is slavery. So (laughs) it is this... It is like super thinly veiled in the universe of the of the show. They don't even try to candy coat it at all. Like they have those horrifying sort of cribs moments where <laughs> <laughs> they're basically prison cells that have been decked out with like satin and chandeliers and uh you know it's just like this this horrifying like uh imagery but then you think about it and you're like oh i mean this is just a commentary on what is actually happening in the real world which it makes it you know even more horrifying yeah all the it's as you're seeing the ads for it you'll see the ads being defaced um because there's a radical group called uh left eye mm-hmm. out there that is um trying to you know fight the powers that be so they're defacing th- these things calling it for what it is you can see like you know newspapers that are telling you you know worry free clear of slavery charges yeah you know, as for you know as it goes but yeah i mean even you know cash's uh, uncle who's so behind on his bills is just kind of like, you know what? I'm thinking of signing up with them because it's three hots in a cot. You know, like, I need to be able to make ends meet. And it's an uh, inviting proposition, even though, yeah, I mean, it's just straight slavery. Yeah, and there is a parallel, certainly, to how modern mega corporations operate that is um you know that that is being sort of nakedly referenced here um so it's it's like already you know that 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 corporation is sort of building the world that you're in but as you're watching the movie you don't realize how integral the corporation will be to the movie later um so this is sort of foreshadowing their involvement later much bigger involvement later in the film Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just gets layered on, but it it really the film starts kicking off with, you know, Danny Glover <laughs> giving, yeah. you know, Cash some advice. Cause yeah. you know, he's just trying to be himself and then Danny's just like, Look, you need to talk in your white voice. Not Will <laughs> yeah. Smith, because that's just <laughs> right. proper. Like you Such know, a good scene, but then Robert Cash tries to—he does like uh, a white voice, like you would hear in a stand-up special, which is like he clips his nose and he's like, "Hello there, it's me. We drive cars like this." Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, other dudes drive cars like. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean the advice he tells him—it's. It's sad, because I honestly have to imagine that's kind of what it must be like in a certain spectrum. Because his his advice is like, act like you don't have a, a care in the world. Your bills are paid. 
you know, like there's no like real breathing. Like you're like you just do this for fun. Like you're only working this because whatever. But instead of all the worries and the pressure that he's he's feeling at this point, right? He wants to pay cash, wants to pay his uncle back. He wants to start getting ahead. There's these pressures that are trying to get him to perform very well. And Danny Glover's just telling him, like, yeah, dude, act like you don't have a care. Bill's paid. That's your that's your real white voice. And then Ex- when, when he finds it, he becomes, what, David Cross? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> David Cross lends uh, his voice as... Uh as uh, Cash's white voice. Uh, a lot of people thought Danny Glover's white voice was Steve Buscemi, but uh, apparently it was just the sound engineer on the film. Uh, what I have to say to that sound engineer is you sound exactly like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> we sure it was not Steve Buscemi being a sound engineer. Yeah. You know, it might have been, but at least uh, Boots Riley said that it, it was not. And it's funny that you uh, you brought up that this must be, you know, this is definitely people's experience because this is apparently based on experience that uh, Boots Riley had doing this exact job. So yeah. I'm sure at least this movie is at least partially based on that. I, I'm talking more, uh, I'm, I'm talking in multiple terms, but definitely the... Uh, the the societal need to be able to adapt which is a way deeper conversation than i'd be willing to have on a on a you know pop culture podcast sure um but like i can see where that is coming from because when you don't have those worries it's a lot easier to you know deal with other things and experience other things in a, in a way that isn't always uh, shrouded by the, when's my next paycheck going to come? Like, when, you know, do I have to make a difference between, you know, paying my rent or eating? You know, like these, these real choices. But when you're like, yeah, I don't really care. Everything's taken care of. That That's what it's talking to me. It's like, because I think at the end, uh, Danny Glover's like, it's not really a white voice, but they what they wish they sound like. Right. It's like a white aspirational voice, uh, which I thought was that bit of dialogue really was, uh, I thought was, I don't know, it, it was just like really um, impactful because it it made a lot of sense. <laughs> it's just like, you're like, oh, yeah, this is what... This is the what you're told is like your you should expect from the uh, the experience of being uh, a white kid in America is that you eventually you'll get to a point where you know you have no real concerns except sort of um, like uh, doing your taxes every year or you know just like process based things that that are sort of these. You know, everyone has challenges and stuff in their life, but there is a certain lightness to not, not <laughs> no pun intended, but uh, to not having like a constant oppression hanging over you. Um, and so I think that the way that this was written was really just, uh, I don't know, I really enjoy this part a lot. 
yeah, I mean, I'm so happy to see, you know, Danny Glover, like, do such an excellent performance in this, as far as how he carries it, the gravitas, um, and just, yeah, what is being said here. There's a few times, like, this kind of crops up, but it's, it's, it starts going, you know, you start kind of understanding, uh, where are you willing to draw the line um, between, you know, like financial security and, you know, um, not emotional security, but like, you know, almost, I want it, this doesn't make sense, but soul security, you know, like where you feel comfortable with who you are, not necessarily who the world wants you to be. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Um, yeah, so the thing that Cash has to walk kind of past every day when he goes to this this situation, and the situation starts to get better after he gets this advice because once he figures out how to talk like David Cross, like things start going like crazy well for him. Uh, there is a, a hilarious uh, high five montage with his <laughs> really skeezy manager um, that I thought was was really funny. And, um, but he is like tempted every single day by, because he has to walk past a solid gold elevator. Um, and he sees people in these lavish outfits just kind of coming and going from that area. And, um, he's eventually informed that that is, that goes to the top floor and that's where all the power collars go. This is like a, a mythic uh rank of telemarketer who um <laughs> like <laughs> who makes a ton of money apparently they're 40 man in this this motherfucker that's the mythic raid that's what popped in my head for some strange reason <laughs> yep yeah, yeah it's a uh, a mythic raid on um on on all of your morals and scruples yeah it's it's literally a golden elevator to the top yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like like, this is, if you work hard enough, you know, even his manager and, you know, like, the supervisor there, they're all selling that, you know, work hard, sell a lot, and maybe you too can be a power caller. And, you know, that's, like, the goal, because they make money, they do this, and that's what he wants. He wants to be successful. He wants to um, pay his, you know, like I said, he wants to pay his uncle back. He wants to get out of these... You know, the hole that he's been in his whole life, and this is the way to do it, and literally here's his elevator to the top, and he found, like, you know, he got his golden ticket, you know, so to speak, with his, finding his voice, finding, you know, his voice in quotes, you know, and yeah, yeah this finding, montage. Finding David Cross's voice. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you had to find your white voice, that'd be the voice to find, but... Anyway, you know, whatever. It's, it's, you know, it really is selling something here that, you know, he he's making it. And I love this montage because it just seems like some bullshit that you would see. Yeah, all the, the weird high fives. Another scene I love in this early part is the scene where they're doing a, like, all hands with oh, yeah. uh, pizza like everyone who's in the tech sector has has done one of these and and i think everyone's been a part of one that has been kind of depressing but this one is hilarious and depressing 
the the one manager, the skeezy dude, has clearly murdered somebody because yes. he's like, you gotta bag him and you gotta tag him, and then maybe you gotta skip town for a little bit while things cool down. <laughs> The boss has to uh, sort of step in and say, "He's like, well, I don't, I don't think those were cleared talking points for the pep rally." Um, and then they introduce the second middle manager, uh, whose name is uh, Diana uh, De Bouchali, um, <laughs> but it is spelled exactly like debauchery. Yeah. And Cash points this out. It's like it's spelled like debauchery, and she's like, "But it's not." <laughs> yeah oh no that one was f- and uh, yes it's like every all hands every meeting i've ever been in where everyone's just kind of like can we uh can we go now like why are can, we doing this can i have like, some just- pizza there's, yeah, there's a part where the boss while the the one of the managers is giving his speech the boss just smells the pizza <laughs> doesn't eat it he's just like Ugh. it's it's like dingy and depressing but at this point in the movie, it sort of feels like a Zucker Brothers movie. There's like, it has like a zany element to it that sort of betrays where the movie will go. Or it doesn't betray it. It, it just sort of, it kind of sets you up for a weird left turn later. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why when you were listing off, you know, at the beginning you know the notes about this movie it's like five different genres in one you know and so hey if you if you might not be a fan of comedy stick with it because maybe one of its other (laughs) genres will come up and you'll be like whoa i didn't realize this was happening yeah um yeah i mean it just seems like at this point besides uh super awesome shots if you're just thinking it yeah it seems like it's a comedy we're waiting to see where this goes next and then it just this this film to me like a lot of things is about escalation but how it escalates is pretty wild like you know after this oh i'm sorry there's just like after this you know we meet squeeze played by steven young (laughs) i was just gonna bring up squeeze and he kind of his like appearance is sort of the inflection point of the plot i feel like that's when things start to really get kicked into high gear yeah i think it's because it's it's bringing up this choice that you know cash is going to have to make and you know which side of the fence do you land on and um you need this you need this character squeeze and you need what he's trying to do which you know we kind of find out throughout the film he's helped other places do it is you know by trying to create unions yeah, he's a union organizer that goes around and finds people or groups of people who are who are being taken advantage of by their place of work, and he organizes these uh, unions. Yep, and you know, so he likes, um, you know, he likes uh, cash enough to be like, hey, I think you know, you ask real smart question there. It's like, why why don't I get paid more? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, I, I've literally worked at places where people have said that in a in a meeting like that, and then like three weeks later, they no longer work for the place, you right? I mean? Because they're like, "Shut up! Well, you're no longer here." Um, and 
yeah, that, that really got me to shut up about, like, asking why am I not being paid fairly? Because it was just like, well, they made an example. They found yeah. it. Made it. It sends a very chilling uh, message. And that's sort of what he proposes to Cash. He says, you know, we're, uh, we're going to do this work stoppage. And he wants him to join in. And it's especially effective because Cash is someone who is making a lot of, like, sales and has been visible, visibly praised by everybody. So having him on their side would would uh, mean a big deal. And he's able to rally the entire uh, group of people. Also, um, like... Suddenly, Detroit works there. Like, after the montage, <laughs> Detroit just starts uh, working there. I don't know if that was foreshadowed before, but I thought that was funny that she just suddenly, his whole now, friend group is working there. No, she mentioned, you know, he mentions it to her. It's like, look, the liar, anybody, you should work there. And Okay. Yeah, that's why it crops up. I do, my one of my favorite jokes in the whole movie involves Detroit. When they say, he's like, this is my girlfriend, Detroit. And, you know, Squeeze goes Detroit. And then she's like, yeah, my parents wanted me to have an American name. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I was I was tickled peak. Uh, yeah, that part's <laughs> funny. There's a lot of really funny parts, especially in the, uh, like, the first third of this movie. Um, there's the, the part where they're sort of establishing the day-to-day routine for uh cash and his best friend uh salvador um Mm. and uh they go to a bar and he's like he wants to get back into the vip area and it turns out he's like saul knows the uh password to get back there because it never changes and so cash goes from like a very nice wide open bar where he's just enjoying a drink with his friend to like a like cramped back room where everyone's just spilling drinks on him and he's just has nowhere to sit people are literally sitting on his lap basically (laughs) and then when he comes out he's like yeah that was uh cool as hell took every shitty bar i've ever been to (laughs) yeah but that does sort of foreshadow kind of how he will value these high quality or like high seemingly high quality seemingly high status events uh over reality because obviously it sucked in there and he got covered with like warm beer and he probably smells like garbage now but he's like yeah it was awesome <laughs> i do i like that bar because i was like i know that bar <laughs> yep <laughs> anyone you're like that's a bay area bar yeah. that's that's exactly it that's that's how they look well, it's dang. like and everything. Dink, yep, dink, dingy, cramped, but you feel very rewarded personally to be there. Like, I got in. Yeah, check me out. Those, peop- those people are outside. I'm inside. Yeah, oh, well, I might smell like shit because I had this IPA poured on me, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'm inside. I've made it. <laughs> I'm somebody. I'm somebody. Um, so they have this, they, they have the strike where, um, I think their original chant was supposed to be phones down, but uh, <laughs> they just quickly transitioned to fuck you, Regal View. Regal fuck View. you, Regal View. It rolls off the tongue. It works. <laughs> yeah. 
and their skeezy manager like goes insane um and uh it's like fuck you fuck you fuck you <laughs> and cash gets called into the manager's office he's sure he's going to get fired he does his whole speech saying fuck everybody but then it's revealed they just got word from upstairs he has been promoted to power collar yeah and i was like oh fuck yeah uh, at this point you you know something is off because danny glover has said instead of comparing like apples to oranges in terms of like what is sold by the power collars as compared to what is sold by them he's like yeah. no it's more like apple and the holocaust yep apples and the holocaust and so and then at that point you're like what wait a minute what what are they selling up there and so when he gets that opportunity you're like oh oh no and you know by him drinking that champagne that he's offered that he is betraying his friends at least in in uh spirit at this point yeah it's just one of those he's made his decision you know like he's not letting anything cut into his goal of being successful and you can understand that drive, especially when he starts performing well just at the you know the base Regal View thing. But now to be this power caller to finally be able to ride this elevator to the top, you know what is he selling to be able to accomplish this? And um, we find out. Yeah, we find out pretty quickly. Actually, once he gets up there, it's clear that uh, the power callers sell people; they sell labor. And the labor of and weapons as well, I think. But yeah, I think uh, metaphorically and uh, realistically, they were talking. They they mentioned arms, right? And yeah. so I was like, well, okay, they're selling people. Oh, they might also be selling guns and you yeah, know, munitions and all that for uh, worry free being their biggest client. Exactly. So they are basically slave brokers. And weapons dealers, like all the most re- reprehensible uh, type of things, that's all they traffic in um, up on the uh, the power callers area. And like I said before, like this sort of layout, the materials, everything is very familiar. I think to anybody who's worked in the Texas sector, especially in the Bay Area, and um, yeah (laughs) the the metaphor that is trying to be put across here is is not uh is not subtle and it's very effective yeah i mean they even even to the security to get to the top like how long she's taking to enter in this (laughs) code in the elevator it's like a 25 digit and you can even tell that yeah debauchery never even went up has never been up there type of thing you know like or she rarely gets the glimpse that section and then they all don't you know that's crazy that's crazy that like yeah no there there's that division between that even the elevator has a motivational voice by rosario dawson you know it's like giving you a motivational <laughs> advice yeah. like, you're in your sexual prime, prime. 
I wish I was real. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then, but one of the big rules is while up there, you have to have your white voice at all times. You can only talk in white voice. Yeah. and because it's mostly like weird, like catalog model white people up there, and aside from Mister Beep, <laughs> uh, Mister, you mean Miss? Yep. They literally do not say his name throughout the entire movie, and if you look it up on IMDb, his name is Mister Space. Yep. You don't know it. Played by what Omari Hardwick. Mari Hartwig. Yeah, he he plays an excellent... I mean, he has an eye patch, for heaven's sakes. This dude looks badass. Um, But, you know, you you feel like maybe... What did he have to do to get up there? Yeah, Um, why is he missing an eye? You, um... That definitely is a question that weighs heavy, but is never answered. I love the part in when uh, when he's up in the power collar area... And they are having their first, like, celebratory glasses of champagne. And everyone is standing so strangely on, like, the different levels of that weird sort of, like, freeform seating area. Where it's like, some people are standing on top, some people are standing on bottom. They look like they're just getting ready for a, uh, a picture that's going to be featured in the corporate handbook. Yeah, it's weird. I always thought it was kind of a... Uh arena-esque almost like let's see what he does because there's a couple shots like that where they are array just a a phalanx of uh rich white people around cash Mm -hmm. i mean one of go ahead no go ahead go ahead go ahead i'm sure yours is more poignant than mine (laughs) nope probably not i was just going to say that um after this, the movie really starts to get uh, serious, I guess, um, because we get this concept of like all his friends are out protesting in front of Regal View, and uh, Regal View has hired a private security force to walk the the power callers across the picket lines. Yeah. Now I was trying to make sure. Did they call him Slackwater or Blackwater? Because I'm, I mean, you know, Blackwater is real, but I thought I they were called. Him... I swear, I, think it's I thought the first. I think it's the first one. You think? It's... I swear, for some reason, I thought I heard Slack. I was hoping it's Slack, but anyway, yeah, they're hiring. I think it might be Slackwater. I think you might be right about that. I swear, but on, I, I checked on IMDb and they called it Blackwater, and I'm just hmm. like, I don't think. Seems too on the nose. Yeah, that's that's what I felt. But I mean, they were, you know, I guess as ruthlessly if as efficient. You know. Yeah, just beating people to the ground, making a like a, basically a trail of bodies that uh, that Cash has to to step over, and uh, he is hit in the head by someone hurling a soda can. <laughs> And this becomes a big part of the movie. Huge. Huge. This because like, it goes viral. Yeah, oh, he gets binked good with that, though. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, he does. 
He gets, he gets pinked with this can, and then, like, yeah, it's blowing up. So now he's not only known for that, but also he's, like, wearing a bandage around his head. So if you're watching, if you're seeing, like, the um, the cover to the Blu-ray or streaming, you'll see him with his bandage head. This is kind of where that comes from. And it's just, like, damn, where is this movie going to go next? Because first it was a comedy, and then with us, you know, social commentary. Now it's all that, plus even more social commentary about the viralness of, you know, like society. It it, it jumps all over the place. Yeah, that because the woman who throws that bottle at his head or the can is like gets goes from somebody who is protesting the establishment. And then is immediately made famous by doing this on, you know, and it becoming a viral success that she is com- turned into, into the establishment almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't they even make a soda about her? Yep, she's like in, no, she's in commercials for the soda that she threw at his head. That's right. <laughs> and, and, did we even talk about the other TV show? I got this shit knocked out of me or something like that. And they they just show snippets of it throughout the the uh movie and it's just people being like punched in the face and just like beaten beaten uh, within an inch of their lives and it's like the most popular show in the in that world. <laughs> yeah, I remember Dan Glover's like I love when people get hit. I even got the t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz you think it, you know, because uh, Squeaks brings up like Squeeze. I called him Squeaks. Squeeze brings up uh, this show and how terrible it is and and how re- reprehensible it is that it's the the number one uh, show I- in America. And you think Daddy Glover's gonna like come again with the wisdom like he did before with the white voice advice? And no, he's like, I love that show. <laughs> and he does have the T-shirt on. <laughs> So like everybody in this movie is like slightly comp- like compromising their own integrity. Um but uh Cash really becomes a uh, a poster child for it. Um and uh soon he's like alienated all of his friends because you know he's he's made this huge deal with uh this fake phone company to to use uh worry free free slave labor to uh produce their phones and uh, thus reduce the 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 cost to manufacture them and and put more money in the pocket of this this guy yeah and then that's when he turns on the bidet the tickle his butt like, yep like, kiss, kiss, <laughs> kissing the dude's butt you know like yep don't worry yeah no like the the last minute you had cash that you liked Oh, and I like the character throughout. Obviously, oh, yeah. I don't agree with his choices, but was when he had that dilemma after he was up there, he still wasn't sure. That dilemma was sol- solved when he saw how much money they were going to give him. Yep. And then, then after that, we just kind of see it going, you know, haywire. Like he replaces his uh, beat up old car that his uncle gave him that he. Literally, I, I love the, yeah, 40 on two, and it was just like 40 cents. Yep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
<laughs> and his car is just smoking when they pull up to the uh, bar at one of the so- scenes they just the front of the car comes into the frame and then the back comes into the frame you see they just, they're all pushing it it's it's broken down again yeah you know he trades that out and he has himself a maserati yep you know and then like the effects even between this kind of montage where it's just like things are uh, swapping out and you know like he's making out with troit and like things are changing until he has this baller ass corner apartment that was incredible that all looked like it was like in camera effects like the the bed getting bigger and the walls changing color and like all this stuff like you said happens you know while they're doing other stuff and until they're in like the nicest apartment you've ever seen in your life yeah i'd be all right with that one yeah Yeah. the only thing is i would need blinds oh yeah so many blinds too exposed it's like kind of like the flat iron building um he's like at the corner apartment of a of a narrow building yeah yeah definitely blinds i don't need anyone to see my you know harry and the henderson's hairy ass as i'm walking around <laughs> you know like lover's like Go! sasquatch up there whoa don't you don't you know nobody wants you anymore <laughs> what I'm, I, that's why i'm on like the seventh floor i thought no one'd be <laughs> looking at here what's going on it's just me walking around parading naked in my corner <laughs> apartment and then you got John Lithgow yelling at you to leave. Leave! Get out of here! Get out of here! <laughs> yeah. I was surprised he didn't go like, Hey, Big Bootay! You need to get out of here! Get out of here, John Big Bootay! Big Bootay! Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, um, literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh... I love when things come to the head, uh, come to a head between uh, Cash and Sal, and they're having that like f- fight, but they're just saying like, "I hope you have a really good day. I hope I your hope you- year is filled with great days." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wrote it down as passive aggressive well wishes. <laughs> yeah, it's so good, <laughs> and everyone around them is like, "What? What is happening?" No, we should do this. No, it'll be on me. No, it'll be on me. No, no, no. <laughs> it will be on me. I insist. <laughs> we should have how many beers? One beer? Two beer? Three beer? Five beers? <laughs> <laughs> they just keep escalating everything. See, like, those moments are, like, genuinely hilariously funny. And, uh, and then it, once he decides that he sort of abandons all his morals and decides, like, that money is the only thing that matters, things really start to go down uh, hill for him. Um, he eventually alienates all his friends, including Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, and after they break up, he goes to her art installation opening that is finally happening. And I thought, I found this scene to be... To be great too, because Detroit has also now adopted an Eng- an English white voice, which makes uh, which of course draws this huge crowd to the to her um, her art installation, and it is capped off with this performance where uh, she uh, well, how would you describe what happens next? It so. Okay, so she is reciting lines from The Last Dragon (laughs) while wearing three men's gloves. Yep, okay. Pretty much covering her body parts 
while um, uh, presenting people with uh, broken cell phones and bullet casings. Because there are installations about kind of like Africa. And, you know, it has multiple layers there. But, you know, she's talking about how the batteries are mined from the hills and, you know, the bullets. So she presents these for the audience to then throw at her as she's reciting these lines. Honestly. <laughs> oh, and they're also like throwing B- uh, condoms filled with goat's blood. Yeah. Honestly, when I saw this in the theater, it was hard to watch. And um, even now, it was still hard to watch. Yeah, uh, they're really pelting her with those things. Yeah, like, when you know, she's getting hit in the face with, like, cell phones. And, you know, like, the blood is all exploded. It's just kind of like, you know, Jesus, you know. But then, you know, Cassius, he objects. And then she's like, just go, you know. This is, this is my thing, just go. And then she starts up by putting a hel- motorcycle helmet on, and they continue. <laughs> yeah, um, she keeps going. But yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's incredibly arresting and hard to watch. I agree. I mean, you know, I, I've been to very few, like, shows like that. One was absolutely... A, a million times the most annoying thing I've ever experienced in my life was like an experimental music show. And I was like, oh, cool. Like someone will play like the like harpsichord or something. No, this, this person literally just took grains of sand and just ran it across a microphone. <sighs> I um, Anyone who knows me, I, you know, I am an artist, but... I guess I'm just not that cultured because I do not have a big appreciation for uh, performance art. Uh, I'm, you know, it has its place in artistic expression, but um, you won't find me going to see someone have batteries and (laughs) bullets casings thrown at them. No, no, no. The, the, the other one I saw is like, I never need to see that in person, on video, or in life again was when I went to uh, the, that event I used to go to, Wasteland Weekend, mm-hmm. um, where, I don't know, I was trying to go to sleep at a reasonable time. Sorry to derail, but this will be the point. Uh, Please. Here I am, trying to go to sleep. I'm already sleep deprived as it is, because it's like 120 degrees you know during the day and then super cold at night i was like i'm just tired i, I, I want to go to sleep so as i'm trying to go to sleep i hear this like wire vibrating sound like and i'm like what the fuck is this now i know this is a party in the desert and shit <laughs> but it was this, and then i hear over the speaker don't sleep stop dreaming and i'm like Fuck, I am trying to go to sleep. I don't need this person chanting this shit. So, you know, I throw, you know, I check my boots, make sure no scorpions are in them. And I walk my ass towards the stage. And I'm just hearing the... Don't sleep. Stop dreaming. Don't sleep. And I'm like, this better be fucking good. Because I want to sleep to dream because I'm about to go insane. Because I've been in this hot ass thing. And I have not washed my taint in three days. (laughs) As one does. 
as one does when you're in the desert. So anyway, uh, I walk up, and then what is in front of me are these people on a stage. They're naked. And then I'm like, well, what's making that fucking wire sound? And then, like, my eyes, I adjust my eyes, and what happened is these people have hooks in their body that are strung to the other people mm-hmm. with wire, with mm-hmm. metal wire. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, and it's in multiple points, and I'm like, oh, oh, God, why is this here? <laughs> and then, like, one of the co-owners of the event comes out, hopping out, and I'm like... Oh, cool. He's got his flamethrower. He's going to burn them all away and I'll be able to go to sleep. (laughs) And he starts shooting this flamethrower in the area. I'm like, yes, cleanse them with cleaning fire. And then he just is doing it to the beat. I said, no, don't join them. You were supposed Mm -hmm. to save me from this this madness. (laughs) And then this dude comes down, this other naked dude comes down from the stairs as these people are all... And this flamethrower is all... (laughs) And he's got a bucket. And he just starts flicking stuff from the bucket Mm. at the audience. Mm. And I get a glimpse of it, and it's red. And I'm like... Nope! I got to get out of here because if he hits me with whatever's in that, which it turned out it was like pig's blood. Oh, if he would have hit me with that, they would have not slept. They would have stopped dreaming because I would have <laughs> beat them. <laughs> would have went. Uh, I would. We uh, would not have Hellraiser this, on them. Yeah, we would not have this uh, show because I would be incarcerated. That's. <laughs> Because everything was terrifying me, but it was splat, 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 don't sleep, stop dreaming. And then the the tempo increased, and I went. The next day, I'm like, fuck, man, what was that? And I was like, yeah, you didn't see it. It So cool. And I'm like, cool? What's cool about that? I hope they don't come back. And fortunately, they didn't. But fuck, like, I was like, if that's like, you know, artistic expression, more power to you, not for moi. Yeah. So when, if that's when I, cool, I'm fine with being a doof. Yeah. And so when I saw this and what she was doing, it was just so hard because it was like, you can't fake getting something thrown in your face. Yeah. <laughs> Tessa Thompson is taking real old cell phones straight to the dome. And we know how the Nokia brick phones are. Them, yeah, them, might as well them, be a brick. Yeah, those things are indestructible. Like, if you just put, like, a chain in between, you got, like, nunchucks. <laughs> you know, like, these these things are, like, they're they're tough. And just watching her do that was the, the part that always makes you go... <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't wait for the scene to be over. So what's interesting is when he gets knocked in the head... Um... It also starts sort of a fun side plot where he keeps seeing like people dressed as him, just the like a very uh, insulting uh, wig plus like a Coke can stuck to the front. Um, as he starts sort of seeing this, uh, it's interesting that he, his head wound just gets more and more disgusting. As he is sort of like literally hit rock bottom and is starting to like it's starting to realize it. 
it just like keeps spreading wetly throughout his uh his bandage and it doesn't actually heal until he heals himself like till he starts making amends for what he did yep it's it's the uh the physical manifestation of his uh not just his choices but you know his his mental state and his you know like i keep using soul i i swear i wrote it better somewhere else um, <laughs> it's a good way of describing it though because that is what he is in a battle for one thing that my wife actually pointed out while we were watching it is right after he gets hit um he is he goes up to his office in the power collar area and uh mr <laughs> comes by <laughs> that scared the and <laughs> <laughs> And he takes out a little handkerchief and he wipes a little bit of his blood away yeah. and then goes, ooh, and keeps it. And that is actually what um, people used to do in a when there was like a, a public execution, when there's like a they would take out the guillotine. Like people, the commoners would come up and, you know, they would like get a little bit of the, the blood from the execution as a as a. Um, uh, token. Oh, weird, but makes sense. Yeah, yeah, especially considering what he knows is about to happen. Yeah, it, it, that was the point where you makes you realize what he did, what he's had to do to become successful. Like, yeah, because he's uh, invited to a party at the owner of Worry Free, whose name is Steve Lift. Yeah, I, I never wrote it down. I just have him as a uh, uh, cannibal. In my Alleged so. cannibal. <laughs> Army Hammer. Uh, knowing what we know about Army Hammer today, this definitely changed the way that I viewed this movie. Um, it's a good thing that Army Hammer is introduced as like a sociopath and stays a sociopath for the entirety of his performance. There's no arc for that character. He is a clearly evil guy. Yeah, he's very one note. On uh, you know, on purpose. That's his you know, that's his bag. Like he he's meant to be the I don't know, like he, tech you know, CEO guru, like untouchable. Uh, yeah, he's like the sort of friendly, affable, young tech executive. Uh, the entire scene at his house party is so upsetting. And uh, it's, it, it, it's clear how... And this sort of foreshadows what happens later, but it's clear how um, just looking at everyone else in the party and how they behave around Cash, how uh, tokenized he already is within the company. Well, I mean, yeah, it starts when he gets introduced by Mr. Right? He's like, it's okay, he's friendly. Right? Because he got really yeah. defensive real quick. He's like, oh. And then, you know, it just devolves into the same shit that, I mean, I've honestly gotten in my life. So, 
you know, like as people as... assuming that you can rap. Yeah, or I've had the pop a cap in somebody's ass. <laughs> You're right. You know. That's so fucked up. He's telling his super gross, like rich guy story of of murdering a rhino. Jesus, uh, that fucking rhino too. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, Rhino he's talking about Stein. like, yeah, because he's talking about how he has to like, he's like, I emptied two uh, clips into that sucker, and then it shows a shot of the actual like the rhino's head mounted on his wall, and it is just like pieced together from parts. <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah, and then yeah, it just comes down to the very, well, of course you can rap, but yeah. And to your point, the way this shot is framed, like, there is a veritable wave of, like, rich white people surrounding Cash, and he has nowhere to sit, and so he's on the floor, like, in the middle of, like, just this basically stadium of uh, coked-out white people. Yeah, he's on display. It's a very... The thing is, right, we got to see Detroit perform... Now we have to see Cash perform because the expectations are you're there to entertain us. Yeah, and, and whereas Detroit is standing above the crowd and lit, Cash is sort of is below everybody else on the f- like he doesn't even have anywhere to sit on the fire hearth. He's just like they're like sit on, right there on the floor on the carpet. Yeah. More like uh, being in a, a gladiatorial arena versus uh, a stage where you are you you are today's entertainment and yeah um, and he, he sort of gets his guard down because uh steve lift says hey like you know you don't have to use that voice anymore um and instantly he feels more comfortable because he can be himself but then he realizes that they are not interested in who he is at all no, they're interested in the stereotype of who he is. Absolutely. Like what they are visually perceiving from him. Hence, you can rap. Have you ever had the pop a cap anyone's ass? He's like, no, I can't rap. I've never had to shoot anyone. But, you know, and he's like, okay, yeah, of course I can rap. So what do they do? They put him on a stage, give him a microphone, and he has to start rapping for him. Um, now, here's the thing. I found this uh, uh, very funny, but at the same time, very sad. And um, I will never, ever say what he was saying. (laughs) Because he starts rapping, he tries earnestly to rap, but he can't. Yeah, I mean, even if he could, I doubt. the, The thing is, it's just like there are there are levels to like rap. Right. Yes. Like we we call out Pharaoh Bunch and Tali Kweli in our theme song because those are some of, those are some of my favorite like you know rappers and what they rap about has you know double entendres and deep meanings and things like that. But there's also like what a lot of people expect rap to be, which is just very superficial and you know it's a it's another stereotype. And in this yeah. instance. He ends up playing to that stereotype because he's trying his best. But even if I feel even if he was able to rap well, they wouldn't appreciate that because that's not what they were expecting from him. 
Absolutely. He reads the room and he gives the room exactly what they want. And what they want is like just horrible things. Like the he says a series of horrible things and all the people in the crowd lose their shit. There is a particular extra in the very front of the crowd. Yeah, who's having who, a good time. <laughs> yeah, she's maybe maybe a little too excited or is a very good actor. I don't know, but one of those things is true. I think she is like, finally, I get to say it out loud. <laughs> that was kind of the feeling from the entire uh, crowd. And at first, Steve Lift is sort of taken aback, but then he's like, oh, yeah. yeah okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what's putting being put down? And, you know, it's just another thing of how far is Cash willing to go for, you know, short-term gain? Yeah. And here it really, things, the the horror of his situation really starts to dawn on him after this. And then we have a, an amazing shot, like, slowly panning in on Cash, sitting in the middle of this sort of magenta room. Uh, or I guess it starts on Cash and it pulls out, and it's just like a, um, uh, like an eyes wide shut style orgy everywhere. And, um... Uh, that's when uh, Mr. <laughs> Did that actually <laughs> Mr. <laughs> there we go. Um, he shows up and he finally uh, loses his uh, loses his white voice, and that's when I was like, "Oh God, what is he? What is happening?" It, did we say it was voiced by Patton Oswalt? I don't know if we I mentioned that, but yeah, it, it is. Uh, yeah, Mr. Beep, Mr. Blanks. Um, uh, voice is uh, is Patton Oswalt, whereas uh, Cash's is, is uh, David Cross. Yeah. Now, I mean, I felt we heard his real voice was because this was sealing the deal. This was like, right. okay, we get that. I need to get him on board because this is what makes me successful. And like, he even, you know, he's like. He can see the dilemma in Cash's eyes. And he's like, we don't cry about the shit that should be, but just look at the opportunity. Right? Like, so, that, uh, to be honest, this is, again, probably too deep for it. This is the one thing that I struggled to um, deal with constantly when you know you hear the news and you see the news and you see all this sad terrible you know awful shit and you're just like things should just be different right like things could be so much better if people could just change their point of view and think about their fellow man and all this stuff but you know mr he sold that a long time ago. He's not looking for that. What he's looking for is just, you know, increasing his ends, maintaining where he's at because he's happy with that. And, you know, he's trying to convert cash over. So that's why I feel he dropped his voice at this point was to be real. And I put that in quotes. Yeah. And it definitely has, there's a sinister quality to the choice to do it right then because he, as you said, that he needs him to sign on because what he needs him to do 
is go see Steve Lift. Uh, he wants to talk to him. There's a big opportunity that he is going to be offered to get on the, in on the ground floor of, and you know he really has to take this seriously because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So he goes to this really creepy hall filled with different colored doors. Um... <laughs> Your favorite, your favorite colors. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, what one's a jade door, and another is I forget what he calls the what the color of the other door is. Um, yeah, it like olive or some shit. Like olive. That. Yes, it's olive and jade doors, and then there's a magenta door at the end. Um, and so he gets in there. It's a very like a very high end sort of uh, you know let, let richly appointed leathers and dark brown mahogany wood everywhere and um he's offered this uh, this uh um dish of uh coke uh in a weird little spiral and um and uh to he wants him to watch a an introduction movie which this part's actually funny where he's like we put a lot of production value into this and it's just like this terrible looking uh, intro sequence. Yeah, it looks like old school. I can't remember the guy who used to do it. it looks like that old school, like seventies claymation, seventies uh, eighties right. claymation, where you're just like, Jesus, this looks. This would terrify. I think it honestly did terrify me as a kid. And <laughs> this would terrify me now. It's like, this isn't a nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> Where's the good stuff? Yeah. Wallace and Gromit. This is the worst. Yeah, it's like um, it's like a, a cheap Rankin Bass, um, like uh, claymated, uh, like Mister DNA type thing. Um, but before we get into the um movie, Cash has to go to the bathroom. He really has to go. He can't help wait. And so, uh, Steve Lift tells him to go to the uh the to jade. the jade door the second jade door on the right or something but cash accidentally goes in the olive door and it he comes out in what looks like a prison shower and it's this very sort of like dingy clinical like tile covered room and he does find a bathroom, but there's only one stall, and there's someone in it who is like, hey, can you help me out? I hurt, I hurt myself. Yeah, no, this was a little more uh, frightening than that <laughs> to me, because yeah. he's like, can you help of course. me out? I need, I need, you know, like, I need help. Yeah, a- and, and uh, Cash, of course, is like, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, do man, you, you can do that. Now... I know we said it earlier, and we'll say it again. If you're listening, and you haven't seen this, and you're interested in seeing it now that you've listened, stop now and come back after you've watched the movie. Turn back now. Yeah, because this goes, this is where you go from, you know, comedy, or dark comedy, to, um, you know, fantasy, to goddamn science fiction. Yeah, because behind that, the something bas- bursts out of the bathroom door, and it's a horse-human hybrid, <laughs> totally nude. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Johnson hanging out and everything. He's yeah. I mean, he has 
here's a little we'll just put our cards on the table this horse has a massive crank um but uh cash sort of stumbles backwards out of the room revealing more and more of these these mutant horse hybrids uh and uh you know he, he stumbles out into the hallway and it runs into uh alleged cannibal army hammer and um and uh yeah it's basically like he's just like hey man just call it's fine you if you would have watched the video first then this wouldn't have been a problem yeah you would even be weirded out by it yeah and so he watches the video and the video makes the point that like Yes, they have all these people that they've given lifetime contracts that are basically their wage slaves. And uh but these people get old, people get hurt and they and they can't lift heavy things. Sometimes they get tired, they get depressed. But they've created the people at Worry Free have genetically engineered a a new species of equisapiens. <laughs> combination of horse literally creating a species of workhorses so they will do all the menial labor and uh they've been created and uh so steve lift has an offer for cash that is horrifying i mean jesus you 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 discover that these horses are created by um, inhaling a fusion catalyst. And, you know, at this point, you know, Cash is like, did I just snort that? Because I just snorted something in that. And then, like, even the decorations around Cannibal's office, excuse me, alleged Cannibal's office... (laughs) kind of point to this because everything has different horse pictures yeah and even, even the, the plate the plate yeah. <laughs> mr bobo or something mr bobo yeah was on the plate and then yeah the the offer is like the most heinous thing that feels like if you were this guy you would make this offer which is effectively he wants cash to become the Equisapiens Martin Luther King. His words, not mine. Because they want to... He's trying to already stop a possible uprising by having someone on the inside. And to do this, he will pay cash $100 million for five years to be worry man's, a worry-freeze man amongst horses. Right. And then, uh, after five years, he gets a magic uh, tonic that reverses him. Everything goes back to normal, and he's a hundred million richer. Um, which, of course, Cash doesn't believe for a second. He's like, "Magic antidote? You sound like you just made that up." <laughs> sound like you just made that up right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he basically, like, he he says, you know, I just sleep on it. Um. And, you know, when we talk again, you'll uh, accept this and you'll, uh, you know, and, and, and like he tries to sell it to him because he's like, you know, horse, horse dick, you'll have a horse. <laughs> so <laughs> I think the next morning he 
he starts to make things right. He tells, he exposes the story. He apologizes to his friends, even though he, when he exposes the story, basically that causes worry-free stock to skyrocket. And of course the, the news doesn't treat it as like a serious violation of, you know, any sort of ethic rights or ethics or anything that exist like, I don't know, just basic human uh, decency. It, everything is violated by this this news story, but uh, Wall Street treats it as a this huge scientific breakthrough, and of course, a worry-free stock goes through the roof, and everyone is made billionaires. And, and even though Cash tried to do the right thing, uh, he is still exposed it just doesn't end up mattering yep instead he he literally goes on the show I got the shit knocked out of me had to get the shit knocked out of him had to then get poured through literal shit to have this shit happen to him yeah because (laughs) The, the Equisapiens have left a uh, voicemail me- message on Detroit's phone. Um, and at this point, like, Cash is completely paranoid that he might have been exposed to this catalyst, and he's, like, showing people his dick. <laughs> it's like, does it look different? It's like, no, are you just feeling yourself when you call me for a booty call? <laughs> My nostrils, are they getting bigger? Yeah, I think so. But I think it's because you're flaring them like that. Yeah, that part was funny as hell. <laughs> but he really turns uh, you know, it around. He eventually rejoins up with uh, Squeeze, and they're able to sort of uh, plan this... Um, they're able to sort of plan this this retaliation against the Slackwater or Blackwater or whatever the, the private security is um, and uh, sort of stop them from crossing the picket line, at least symbolically. Um, and so it kind of looks like he's found his like new motivation. Um, of course, when he was... When he was really making a lot of money, he was able to give his that check to his uh, to his uncle, who is played awesomely in this by Terry Crews. I don't know. There's, there's the part where he gives them the money, but um, there is the you see his whole family, the uncle's family, and they're all buff, which I thought was really <laughs> a funny little detail. Um, it's weird seeing but, Terry Crews with hair. You know, yeah, it's it is. Fake. It's weird. <laughs> That's the first thing we I said. I was like, "Wow, geez, Terry Crews with hair, huh?" Yeah, like, looks oh. good, bald. Yeah, he's got a great head. Oh, Apparently, yeah. if he has a full he has a full head of hair. He just prefers to shave it. Yeah, and well, I mean, like, if you got the choice, I guess cool for you. Yeah, um, not this ugly dome. I got a sunroof <laughs> forming every day, and yeah, my hair's getting thin, uh, thinner every day. And Terry Crews is looking like uh, a chiseled Adonis with uh, <laughs> awesome hair he doesn't even, he chooses not to have. Yeah, cool, cool, like, cool, cool, cool. He's like, like, later. Yeah, cool, 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 <laughs> cool, 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 cool. So, um, so, okay. Let's talk about the end of this movie real quick. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so, 
the cash is back. He's living in the uh, the garage of his uncle, just where he started. But he souped it up. He's got a nicer bed. He's like uh, carried over a lot of his decorations from his uh, previous apartment. Um, and he like him and Detroit seem very happy together. They got back together. They're happy. You know, he's he feels like he's found like a new purpose in his life, and that's sort of fighting for the injustices created for. But, or sorry, not fighting for the injustices, but fighting against the injustices created by this worry-free corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh... Well... <laughs> so, wait, did we... I Sorry, I, I skipped past the part where the Equisapiens break out of... Uh, or he breaks them out of, of wherever they're being kept... And they break him out. This is after like they do that. They they retaliate against the 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 slack water, and we get to hear uh, Forrest Whitaker yep. <laughs> as, as like the lead Equisapiens. Let's say Equisapien. Yeah, the first Equisapien, I think. Yes, that's he is, uh, That's what who he is referred to is as, as in yeah. the uh, cast list. Yeah. Um. But I didn't. I had no idea he was going to be playing uh, Demarius, the first Equisapien, um, <laughs> in this movie, and I was that was such a delight to hear uh, to hear his voice. Yeah, well, you know, you heard my love for uh, Ghost Dog, so anytime Force Whitaker is in anything, I'm paying attention. Yeah, 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 um, he, yeah. We forgot he he gets. He sets a pretty cool plan. He gets freed by the Equisapiens, and yeah, everything seems like it's going all right. Regal View now has a union, so he's going to start working for them and helping them with that. Like, yeah, you know, they made a difference, and everything seems to be pretty cool. And so at this point, he like closes the garage door, and it, it looks like he kind of bonks his head again, and you're like, oh no, because the his head had healed up. Um, and he kind of gets down on one knee, and at this point, my wife is like, oh, he's gonna propose! (laughs) (laughs) Um, but in a moment of true horror, he takes his hands away from his face, and his face is half horse! He did snort activator, terrifyingly, back when he thought he had, and he start he's, he's being transformed into an Equisapien. And then it cuts to black. Yep, the end. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get an after-credits scene. Yep. You think you might be in a Marvel movie or something, but um, uh, we see Steve Lift sort of... There's a phone ringing in his house, and he kind of, like, walks out of the bedroom like he may have been sleeping with the Equisabians. I just took it that he was just coked up to all high heaven. It's probably true, but he has sort of like a bow-legged walk that I was like... Because there is the part, the the little video that they release of him being like, You beautiful creations! Better get back here or I'll turn you to glue or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, he might be more into horses than he is letting on. Um, but... He gets a call, and it's uh, it's fully horse sapienized uh, cash, and he has a he's he's come with a, a few of the other uh, equisapiens, and they're going to um, 
they are probably going to kill him. Yeah, rightfully so. Yeah. It's a a nice button. It, like that was a really that was a really incredibly like grim way to end it. I it totally caught me off guard and it was like horrifying. Um but it was nice to have that button at the end where he gets at least some measure of revenge even though we're pretty certain there's no antidote. Yeah, there's there's no being saved from this. He made his decisions, his decisions led him to this. So, you know, he's able to get his payback, but you know, the the, the damage is done. Yeah. So, and that is truly the end of uh of the movie. Um so, did you like this movie, John? Well, you know, if I didn't give it away, I, I love this movie. It's it's fantastic. I love how it's shot. I love how it's acted. I love, um, you know, kind of what it's saying. There's some hard stuff in there for me, but there's also some other things you can kind of pick up on. I think Boots Riley did an amazing job with it. Um, again, like I, I find it super hard that this is his first outing because it's so it's well amazing. polished. Um, it does. Now that I am a forty-year-old man, it does give me hope for my future. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm no. I would never be as uh, conceited or uh, egotistical enough to compare myself with somebody who is obviously a genius, both behind the camera and musically and uh, you know in literature and and all this stuff but um you know he was 49 years old and he made this incredible movie yeah i mean look i have no talent but i can appreciate talent and i definitely appreciate his i think lakeith stanfield did an amazing job oh my god so good his physicality in the movie, when he starts out, he's just always like hunched forward and sort of mousy a little bit. It it is like how his body language evolves throughout the film is uh, really really awesome. Yeah, and you know Tessa Thompson, like you know Stephen Yun, Danny Glover, like they all do a terrific job. Um, alleged cannibal uh, feels like he was able to do that very naturally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. He somehow was able to play a sociopath so well. Yeah, and um, yeah, you know, David Cross panel. Everyone does a terrific job in it. Um, yeah, I, I, it's one of those. It was a surprise movie for me because while the uh, trailers were interesting, you know, I didn't really know anything about it, and I didn't read up into it. I just was like, well, you know, I love having hanging out with my friend Dan, so let me go do that. And seeing this was just, like, the first time was just such an experience. Like, I mean, you know, I haven't seen an audience interact with a movie like this one in a long time. Where there's not just hooting and hollering, but people are like, oh, no. Like, you know, like, <laughs> Jesus. You know, oh, like, it, it was a real experience. And uh, watching it again, it didn't lose any of that. I highly recommend it. It just and it's one of those things that I recommend it and I don't tell people anything. I just kind of go. I think you'll like it. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, 
it was just an incredible movie uh, to watch. It's stylistically beautiful. Um, it has important things to say, but it doesn't shy away from using uh, humor and really evocative uh, visuals to get those those messages across. Um, and it's not just like this isn't there are political themes in this movie there are socio uh themes in this movie all sorts of uh really important things that are important to talk about but it is presented in a way that is completely digestible funny fun and horrifying in equal measure um it was it's just a great it's just a great surreal film and one that I enjoyed immensely. It kept me guessing and surprised me at every turn and uh and in between it just like captivates you with this this visual language that is unique feeling. Um just a great movie with great performances and I cannot recommend it highly enough. I guess that brings us to the end of this show. I really hope you enjoyed it. Um, do you want to get involved with the podcast? Do you want to contact uh, me or John? Uh, probably John. Um, then uh, I encourage you to reach out to us on our social media. We are on Twitter at The Pop Saga. We are on Instagram at The Pop Saga as well. Do you want to be old school? Do you want to get in touch with us via electronic mail? Uh, go ahead. Uh, the riddle for the email address is, is hidden in the mummy's tomb. Just kidding. <laughs> get out of that tomb. Uh, it's th- the popsaga at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with us there. As always... Thank you to the incredible Burton M6 for our theme song, Most Professional Fart. (laughs) Most Professional Part of the Show. (laughs) And that was just proven uh, as an example by me. Um, And uh, if you would like to support the production of this program, please find us on TeePublic under pop saga we have fun shirts and stickers and mugs and i promise that you don't have to be related to us to enjoy them i mean Um, it helps it helps you don't have to be (laughs) so you know get on one of those things either buying a mug or becoming too related to us somehow um and uh as we always say here at pop saga to all of you we hope that wherever you're, you are, however you're feeling, that you're feeling happy and that you're feeling healthy. And we'll see you next week. We're not sorry to bother you. Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We, talk we can talk over the, uh, TVs and the end of the credits, right? Nerds, but of course. Style. We so cool. I can just Pop culture, cut this out, I think. And old school, yeah. <laughs> no, no. You should know we love hip hop from the roots. Ty live. Shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no liver. Ain't no doubt we gotcha. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh, yeah, you heard right. Heard this right. is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga.